Welcome to Family Office Connections. I'm Edward Marshall, Managing Director at Boston Private. Today, we continue our series of discussions focused on the results of the Family Office Survey that we released recently. In that report, we asked over 200 Family Office executives to give us their thoughts on risk and threat matters they face every single day. The reports were illuminating, answered a lot of interesting questions, but also posed some new ones and provided some unexpected insights into the risk management behaviors and characteristics of family offices. These findings open new areas uh, for evaluation and present opportunities for both the advisors and vendors that serve family offices and the family offices themselves uh, to address risk more effectively. My guest today is Anwar Visram of Visram Security. Uh, and we're, before we get started, you know, why don't you give us a little bit about your background and then specifically if you could talk to your work uh, and experience of working with family offices, that would be appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Edward, and thank you everyone for listening in. So I've been in the cybersecurity and technology business for over 25 years. The last 10, uh, I've been focusing on the ultra high net worth and family office space. We've, uh, we've worked with family offices around the world around cybersecurity. And our goal is to bring that awareness and the same level of cybersecurity that's often dedicated to high, high level or major corporations to the family office space. Great. Well, let's dive into uh, the findings of the report that we were uh, discussing. Uh, specifically, l- let's talk about the prevalence of cyber attacks on family offices. You know, our, uh, our survey ended up seeing a uh, reporting of around over a quarter of family offices that had uh, admitted to suffering a cyber attack. I know this is an area that you've explored with your clients, and uh, I'm curious to see what do you think of that number uh, uh, in, in that context? Thank you, Edward. So I've attended, I've had the privilege to attend a lot of different events and work with a lot of different clients around the world whether they be lunch and learns uh, for private small groups of family offices and massive or major events being at conferences. The one thing that I found working with a lot of these clients is that the definition, the simple definition of what a cyber attack varies. And so in some cases, uh, cyber attack, they're only looking, often reporting a cyber attack if something major happens if they've lost a certain dollar value or if something significantly has occurred. And so often when we look at these reports, one of the challenges is what is is the definition of a cyber attack? And it varies from family to family office to family office. So Anwar, how do you define a cyber attack? A cyber attack can be as simple as a phishing attack, an email, a malicious email that is targeting the, the family office, uh, generally not the run-of-the-mill phishing attack, but one more that is targeted, that includes information about the family office or the family, that would be considered an, a really entry-level cyber attack. Another would be a situation where all of a sudden you're finding that some of your information is finding itself in unauthorized hands. That could be where you receive uh, notice from a a vendor or notice from somebody else, or even social media all of a sudden is promoting something about you that your family that all of a sudden you're saying, 
Well, that's not supposed to be public. The other option is financial. Financial is uh, a, a great motivator. And all of a sudden, if you're noticing that within your family office, that all of a sudden money or financial uh, asset is all of a sudden being uh, manipulated or used in a way that you was not authorized. And then finally, reputation. This is one that we're finding an increasing amount where all of a sudden some private information is being leaked out there and then used as a mechanism to target the family and or the family office. That's great. Um, and do you think it's, uh, in the case of family offices, uh, in the reported amount, do you think that that number is high or is it low or are we missing factors that, that are there? That's a really good question. I would suggest that that number is still on the low side. I've talked to, and whenever I attend a conference and I'm asking questions and they're, you know, how many people have experienced the cyber attack? The, the, the hands that go up are so few, but when, you know, when we're sitting it down in between the conference and we're talking one-on-one, -on -one, then they might relay something that maybe they didn't see as being a, a potential breach. But when we dig down, we find out, whoa, um, that was actually more than what you were anticipating. The other thing that why this number might be low is because one of the three factors I figure is important in identifying what, a, you know, how ready you are and the three factors and i'll get into why this is important is you have people technology and process and one of the parts of that is the process the if somebody experiences say the receptionist or the ceo or one of the cios have something that happens to them there's very little communication amongst the other members of the family office saying that I had this. So just simply the discussion of the knowledge that something's occurring within the family office, there's no process around that. So often when a report like this comes out and they ask someone, that person may not have visibility into what everybody else is doing because um, everyone's so busy and this is not part of their, their kind of review or touch base process. Got it. So sort of a division of labor mm -hmm. uh, potential issue there. So the, the other finding that we, we talked about is around um, getting good advice and finding uh, strong vendors in risk management, regardless of the dimension that we're talking about with, with, uh, with family offices. Uh, are, are you seeing that? Uh, it's certainly, we identified that as an issue uh, for both uh, the, the advisor and the, the family office in, in our travels. I'm wondering if you're seeing that as well. Um, and, and tell me, what, what do you think families are actually doing in, this, in that area? Well, that's a really good question as well. So the vendors, this is, a, this is a challenging situation for many family offices because it's a truly a trust-based environment and where they don't like to invite vendors in that they don't have not either been vetted by someone else or they trust or have some sort of sig significant track record. And the net result is they often don't reach out. And so a lot of the, the family offices, they use the operating company IT, com, uh, IT resources. And, and on the surface, it sounds really good. 
However, the challenge is many of them are just IT with maybe some security tacked on because of the necessity, but they may not focus in the security. The second area that they often get, uh, they might come across a vendor is from family office conferences and or other families that they do business with. And those are usually where the family, unfortunately, something bad has happened and they've consulted a third party. And then now they become kind of the first, the, the family firm that kind of refers the security professional to other families. And this is when the family office might reach out to someone who's something bad has happened and ask them. The, the only challenge with that is very few families want to report something as bad has happened. So that often isn't something that's pervade enough. And then finally, uh, what happens is because of the sensitivity and the high complexity of the family office environment, when they do bring in and they find a cybersecurity, say out of a quick Google search or whatever mecha mechanism that they go out and find them, those security companies may or may not understand the complexity and the sensitivity of the family office. They often think that the family office has supported by this major family, however, may not recognize that, that the resources that actually devote to specific areas may be lower, both in people, process, and financial. So uh, from your vantage point, you certainly work with a lot of family offices in North America, but you certainly also work with families around the world. Looking outside of Canada and the United States, what issues are you seeing uh, crop up with families that either might be global and that they're multi-jurisdictions or uh, specific issues that are coming across the horizon in Europe or Asia? One thing that I've noticed that's really important and they've really, really embraced is the importance of privacy. And that means really being concerned about what technologies and what people are doing with the information systems that they have. Uh, it's, it, it, and they're really, I think, in Europe are taking cybersecurity quite a bit more seriously from what I've seen than that in, say, US and Canada. Does that have to do with GDPR or does it just have to do with mindsets and cultural, uh, you know, propensities in those in those different parts of the world? I would suggest it's a combination of both. <clears throat> I would suggest that GDPR, uh, which is the General Data Protection Regulation, uh, which is global for those people who may not be familiar. It's a it's 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 a regulation that was introduced about two years ago to to hold account of anyone who, who collects and holds personal information that they have certain restrictions and certain guidelines on how, we, how they must disclose and use that information. So yes, I think that was part of it. I think also the other thing is privacy in a, a lot of the European nations, a majority of the European nations are are magnitudes more important than that in the US on not only how they collect it, on how they even uh, use it, and, and generally privacy in, uh, as a general topic. Got it, that makes sense. Um, 
really appreciate uh, that, Anwar. I mean, that, some really great insights uh, of, of the many years that you've been focusing on this area. Uh, for folks that are listening, and if you'd like to get in touch with Anwar or if you have any questions, do send us an email to familyoffice at bostonprivate.com. I'd also recommend that you check out our website. You can find numerous resources, including downloading the paper uh, that we just talked about. You can sign up for a newsletter, get this podcast, and much, much more directly in your inbox. That website is bostonprivate.com forward slash family office. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or whatever platform you prefer to listen on. And that's it. Uh, Check back for a new podcast next week. And bye, everybody. This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not a solicitation or an offer to buy any security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. The opinions expressed and information contained in this podcast are given in good faith, may be subject to change without notice, and are as of the date issued. All sourced information is believed to be reliable but has not been independently verified. This podcast discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic, market, or political conditions and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth management services are offered through Boston Private Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly-owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank and Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed, and may lose value.